Okay, so hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Default Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world to share their experiences. Our guest today is Amanda Kate, manager of people and culture at Avalon. Amanda, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Viv. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So Amanda, let's let's start with your background. You have this remarkable background in fostering company culture and advocating for diversity and inclusion. So could you maybe start by telling our listeners more about your journey and how your passion for these areas has shaped your career? Yeah, so I think my my background is a little bit different from some of the other people that you've interviewed. Um, but um, I went to school um, and I got a degree in adult development, families and well-being with a minor in family and child studies, which is maybe the longest name of a degree that exists in history. Um, I did some postgraduate studies in couple and family therapy. Um, you know, I grew up, uh, I have disabilities. So um, for me, it was it was tough because in a time where I didn't feel like I had a lot of power, um, I was playing video games because that really made me feel powerful. Um, it led me to feel strong and maybe a time that I didn't feel very strong. Um, my work background is kind of all over the place. Um, I worked in retail. I worked in tech. I worked in sales. Um, and one of the things that that is also noticeable or notable is um, I worked in recreation and long term care. Uh, so with, you know, very sick older adults um, playing as a form of um, therapy, there's therapeutic aspects to it. So um, being able to switch from that to being in game, something that brought a lot of, um, you know, therapy to me uh, is really was really amazing. Um, I created a contracting firm called uh, Monstera Interactive. And then Sean, who's the CEO of Avalon, met with me um, and he just sort of was like, oh, my God, you're doing all of that. That's amazing. Brought me on board as the HR ops manager. And now I'm the manager of people and culture at this amazing startup game studio. <laughs> That's awesome. And um I would like to talk about like a changes in different you know industries, specifically in, in the gaming space, right? It's often tough to make changes in established companies and in industries, especially if the benefits are not immediately clear in terms of profit, right? For yes. for owners, let's call it like that. So, have you faced any challenges with traditional uh, the corporate norms due to your passion for this diversity and inclusion? Um. Yeah, I think it's been. I don't know how much you know about the game industry, but it's been a little bit notorious for being toxic, um, which is really unfortunate. Um, there's been a lot of, uh, it's been really challenging to sort of combat a lot of the learned um, sort of thinking behind, you know, people in the industry. And, and a lot of people know that it's not where it should be and that things are changing. So uh, one of the things that, I think is so important is prevention. And in order to prevent that, we sort of have to educate people on what's okay and not okay to, to say and do in the workplace. And it's not just the game industry that's notorious for things like that. So, you know, there's challenges that I face personally being an employee at several different organizations. Um, and I think the, the 
the biggest first step is being able to educate people um, so that they can start to recognize, oh, you know what, this is what I should be expecting and I shouldn't tolerate X, Y, and Z. Um, and at the same time, I should be able to, uh, like I recognize maybe this is as a microaggression and I should stand up and not just be a bystander and, and stuff like that. And, and what is, uh, if you're talking about uh, the gaming space, what challenges are still out there that we shouldn't ignore from your point of view? Um, I mean, in terms of, do you mean like in terms of actual gaming or the gaming industry? The, the gaming industry, probably. Um, so in terms of like, you mean just, general <laughs> i just want to make sure can you rephrase the question a little bit i want to make sure i answer it correctly <laughs> yeah i mean basically it's the same right so in terms of this inclusive right so you you are an advocate for inclusive gaming communities i yes. know right but the industry has faced a number of issues around that right so and i'm just curious to know from this aspect what challenges are still there that you we should we should uh solve kind of yeah, I think there's this misconception everywhere that um, people are just sort of like the same and should be treated as like a cookie cutter sort of cutout. Um, the game industry, there's not a lot of diversity. Unfortunately, there's not a, a lot of women in the space. Um, and I think it's important for us to create a safe space for having conversations using person first um, language and, you know, making sure when you have those that when you have that space and that, sorry, that safe space to have that conversation, people feel more comfortable talking about their accessibility needs. Um, I mean, one time, it wasn't in the game industry, but one time when I mentioned having a disability, um, I had my supervisor go, can you even do this job? Which is just not, it's not appropriate to say, it doesn't empower people to say like, you know, it, it doesn't make people feel capable. Um, and it really shuts down conversation. People will feel uncomfortable coming to you and saying, Hey, um, I really, I really need this from you so that I can succeed in the workplace and, um, success and work styles are very different from person to person. And, and just being able to recognize that and celebrate people for who they are and value them for, you know, their capabilities and having seats at the table for everybody to create innovation. Yeah, and, and speaking about Avalon, right? Avalon is famous for its people-first culture, right? So, <laughs> however, we know that people-first is often a, a, just a buzzword. I'm not saying about your company, but just in general. And many companies didn't live up to it, right? So, especially like during tough times, let's call it like that. So, can you share some initiatives or examples that show how Avalon generally prioritizes its people even in challenging situations. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is funny because I I work really hard at this. This is my my whole job is making sure that um, we put people first. And and what I say all the time in interviews is that we're not an employee first company because when you say employee first, that implies that a person has to always be on as an employee. Um, I always say we're a human first company. Uh, we put the person above you know, being an employee, because you are a person first, you know, that that's what matters, your family matters, it, you know, your work life balance, all of that stuff matters. So um, I always say that, and we have sort of internal branding that um, helps us sort of 
make sure that people know that we have our cultural values, which is empower creativity, be the best you, encourage the heart, um, defy the impossible, pursuit of joy. And um, we have this internal, we use, we use nectar uh, for employee recognition, which is sort of gamifying um, to make sure that people are rewarded for upholding these cultural values. Um, and, you know, a lot of people talk the talk and say that they do this sort of stuff. Um, and I remember it's just, it's so different here. Um, it really is. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the manager of people and culture. I'll give you an example is um, one time my, my dog, who is my pride and joy, um, he was very sick and I had to rush him to the emergency room. Um, but, you know, as the person running the culture screens um, for, you know, hiring, um, I was panicked and I, I had, I think I had three screens that day and I just didn't know what to do. I wrote, um, I wrote to uh, a group chat saying, hey guys, I have to take my dog to the hospital. And, and Sean, the CEO, um, and Zach, the COO, they both stepped up and, and took my interviews for me, which is unheard of, right? They were like, no, just go, don't worry about this. And they, they handled it for me, which um, it's still very touching to think about. Um, and it's a really, you know, I could, I could say things, but without real examples, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, but you know, that, that still stuck with me and, and <laughs> there, we have a whole, um, our whole mission statement is building people, building games. Um, and it was shortly after that, that I came up with that because, I mean, obviously that whole situation was so impactful, but I remember I was brushing my teeth. It was late at night and I ran up to my husband because I came up with it in my head and I was so excited. And I was just like, you know, mouthful of toothpaste going, and he was like, what are you saying? I don't understand. I was just so excited to, that I came up with it. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we now use it. Obviously, I, I, I ended up becoming coherent after finishing brushing my teeth. But, um, you know, I think I don't remember. It was super late. I posted about it. And then they were like, that's really good. We're going to use that. And we're really true to that word. And and we try to, you know, nobody's perfect, but we we continue trying and, and really, really going for it because we we value people are the biggest asset to a company. We, you can't do things without them. Um, so yeah, we just want to make sure that we place our values there and, and prove it every day. Uh, that's awesome. And and from the talent perspective, uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, there's a gap between company values and real actions, right? So yeah. from, from the talent perspective, uh, what, what warning signs show a company uh, isn't following uh, its values? Uh, how can I recognize that without being a part of it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of red flags that you can look for um, when you are a candidate that's because you're interviewing a company as much as they're interviewing you. So you should always feel empowered to ask questions. Um, I always have that space at the end of the interview. Do you have any questions for us? And I think it's really a shame if people don't use that uh, space to have conversations. It's your opportunity to ask about culture. Um, and if there is something specific, you should push on it if it really matters to you. So a lot of companies will have, for example, unlimited paid time off. And then you get all excited, like, wow, that's a really amazing perk. And then you go in and you say, okay, I would like this time off, please. 
and they go, um, no, you, you, sorry, denied, um, not going to happen. Right. And, and then you, it doesn't really happen. So, um, a question that, that you could ask, let's say if that's something that really matters to you and finding out if, you know, they, they put their money where their mouth is, is asking, Hey, when's the last time you took a, a week off of work, a week or two off of work? When's the last time you went on vacation and utilized your PTO? Um, you know, they, if, if the answer is never or something like that, then it's probably a red flag. Um, and, you know, I, I think you spend arguably more time at work than you do at home. Um, so it's really important to like, you know, suss this stuff out and, and figure, figure all of that out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I recommend you do when you're having those interviews. But yeah, but are there any specific um, tips for remote employees, for remote like uh, um, employees, contractors or whatever, who are far from the uh, main office, how they can verify if the company truly upholds its values, except that, that example that you gave. Can you suggest anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, you should... Again, I, I really think using that time at the end of the interview is so important to have those conversations. If there's um, another thing that that you can ask is, if you became the CEO overnight with no repercussions or questions or like any anything that would come back at you, what would you change and why? Um, and if there's, let's say, like three rounds of interviews, um, you ask that every time and it's the same answer, something hasn't changed. Why hasn't that changed? Um, and my dad always says, um, when management refuses to change is when it needs to change. So, um, you know, having a company that doesn't have the ability to look inwards and, and it doesn't matter if it's a remote or not a remote company, it's, it's important that people recognize that changes need to be made. Um, and they need to, yeah, they need to act on it, right? They can't just see it. If everybody can see it and they don't do it, then it's kind of meaningless in, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. And for, for companies that are growing, right, especially internationally, especially globally, uh, values, from my point of view, can get sort of watered down, right? So mm -hmm. how do you avoid losing focus on your mission? Any traps that companies should look out for? Look out for? Uh, you mean the companies or the or the people who are uh, going uh, in to... this in this case? I guess we're talking about companies, like uh, from the management perspective. Um, yeah. So I think again, it's important to understand that people have different cultural values, and that um, you know each country has different um, labor standards and laws and stuff like that, and it's so important to have an HR person to make sure that that stuff sort of gets sorted and figured out and understood but at the same time you have to utilize tools like eors because one person can't know everything for every country all the time i've tried it's impossible um i continue to try it's still impossible um but yeah i think that's sort of the the biggest thing is is people taking the initiative to, to try and and you know people taking the making sure that people are looked after in all of the respects so um you know, again, like making sure that they're, they are upholding the labor laws and the standards. And um, the other thing too, is you mentioned contractors. I think obviously contractors can't be treated the same way as full-time employees. They, they can't have benefits and stuff like that, but still making sure that they feel like they're part of a team. 
that's so important. Um, those are those are the things that I think are tremendously impactful when it comes to expanding globally um, and making sure that you're still upholding those values. Yeah, and Avalon works with uh, with talent from many countries, as far yeah. as understood, right? So, um, and did you have any specific checklist uh, uh, when when you was kind of when you were deciding which country to, to, to start hiring from? So no. Um, and that's kind of the beautiful part of it is that we're finding people like the best talent, right? Because the best talent isn't all in, you know, North America or, you know, one country or another, like it's, that's not, that's not where it is. Right. And, um, video games, you need art, you need, and, and there's so much more to video games than people think there's like a billion different types of artists and a billion different types of designers. And, um, there's, you know, engineers, so many different things. So finding just like the amazing talent that exists in the world and being able to, um, have them on board has been really special. Um, and again, working with different EORs and being able to have them, whether it's as contractors or as employees has been huge for us. And I think that's what sort of set us apart from um, maybe a lot of other companies is being able to just hire the best talent that exists. Um, you can see my background for those of you who are visually tuning in. Um, it's amazing. Uh, and, you know, again, we're finding people it that is. align. <laughs> we're finding people that align with with our values as a company as well. So we're building up a team that's talented and you know just like like the perfect avalon team <laughs> yeah so avalon is global first company which is cool right so but let's let's talk about maybe about the downsides of this so remote work and especially this goldberg hiring staff doesn't suit everyone frankly mm -hmm. speaking right so what are your thoughts on the let's call it last talk about challenges of remote work um, yeah, so I think a big thing and, and part of this is because I'm, I'm a pretty hardcore extrovert, as I'm sure you could probably tell, um, <laughs> from our short time here. Um, so I think communication is, is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard when you have people in different time zones. Um, I find, I find that to be probably the, the hardest, um, you know, being able to, uh, talk to, you know, we have people who are uh, in the EU who are only on in the morning. We have somebody from Saudi Arabia and, and you know, she's only on in the morning. And and sometimes it's, it's a little bit challenging when you have people on the Pacific time and trying to like make all of that work. Um, it's, it's really, it can be really tricky. Um, and I think one of the things, and I sort of mentioned this before is, is the way that we gamify, we use Nectar as an employee recognition software. Um, and we built that out and it's nice to be able to have, um, you know, see the shout outs that people get. So, um, you know, shouting out somebody for, uh, you know, doing an amazing job or supporting another person and, and being able to see that. Um, and again, the other thing with communication, um, and sort of what we mentioned before is there's, we have designers and we have engineers and we have artists. So sometimes seeing the biggest, the big picture of the game can be challenging. Um, so we have 
stand-ups for each group and we sort of open it up um, so people who are outside of the art team can go to the art weekly stand-up and see where people are at. They can go to the design weekly stand-up and see where they're at. Um, there's no space that's exclusive um, because we care about people seeing the big picture. We, we want people to be able to communicate um, and that, you know, that's another big thing. Another, another thing too, is I think it's important that people allow or companies allow for a bigger budget with travel because it's important for people to see each other every once in a while. Um, and we don't want anybody to feel excluded. Uh, loneliness is actually being considered an epidemic. So um, it can be even more isolating when you're in a remote workplace. So it's important that you over communicate, if anything, you check in with people to see how they're doing. Um, you know, all of those things are really meaningful. So uh, yeah, that's, that's where I find importance in that. Yeah, but um, maybe uh, my, my last question would be, what might be your three key pieces of advice that you can give to leaders who are new to this international expansion and who are just just about to start this global hiring journey um again utilizing eors and the stuff you can't know everything um it is so hard to know everything um and making sure that you know the specific laws and regulations about the country before and which you... one do you use um, so we, we sort of have like a, a mix of different things. We use remote.com. We also use Rippling. Uh -huh. Um, but okay. yeah, those, so remote.com has been really helpful because you can sort of, uh, see the snapshot of the country and, and what the expectations would be and what the, uh, structures are and, and the laws and regulations and that sort of stuff prior, how much it would cost your company, um, in the currency that you use, um, instead of the currency that another country uses, um, and using something like, uh, rippling the payroll software, uh, is really cool for contractors because you can pay them in their local currency, which is really important. Um, because sometimes, you know, it can change with, uh, you know, from USD to euros in a matter of a day. And that can sort of make it a little bit harder to pay rent and budget and all of that sort of stuff. Maybe not with euros, because euros is, is pretty <laughs> solid, but uh, you know what I mean. So um, with that, um, I think also just, again, with any company, making sure you're putting people first is so important. Um, but especially with global companies, learning the customs of the culture can be really important. Making sure you know when the holidays are, um, that's, that's always, and you know, knowing, okay, maybe in this country, they're not allowed to work Fridays, make sure that person doesn't work Fridays. Um, that's, that's important. Um, so that's always a thing. You're talking about Israel, right? <laughs> Partly Israel, I think also Saudi Arabia. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that, you know, Israel too. Um, so it's, it's important to, to know those things. And, and also, you know, speaking of that, it's important to know, um, politically what's going on and being able to support your team members um, with that sort of stuff as well. Even if you don't outwardly have, you know, things on social media, it's important to reach out to the people in your company and like, you know, are you okay? Um, and, and just, you know, making, making sure people are okay. Cause it, it, it really does impact everybody. It doesn't really um, like, it does matter where they're located, but it is, it's always important to check in. Um, yeah. But I think also 
like I mentioned before, having that extra travel, we had a retreat in Seattle for our leadership team and being able to see everybody in person was amazing. And I cannot wait for the next one. It was so wildly incredible. And then lastly, um, you know, just communication is so important and making sure that people are, um, you know, you're, you're respecting their time zones, right? You don't want somebody on until 11 p.m. It's just not sustainable. You want to make sure their work-life balance is something that you're looking out for because I think a lot of people try to prove themselves and a lot of people have imposter syndrome and that's not that's that's everywhere that's global i'm yeah. just gonna say that's so <laughs> <laughs> it's important that you have yeah as much communication as possible all the time um yeah it, and i think that those are those are the main things um but it does make the world smaller in such an amazing way um and again being able to recruit talent that is the best talent um mm -hmm. and you know they line their values line up with your values um is absolutely phenomenal yeah awesome uh thanks thanks amanda for sharing your insights on remote first culture at avalon this challenges and obstacles of earning globally uh yeah, we wish you and your company, Avalon, all the best in your journey. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you so much. You too. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you.